I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. Amelotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, is a progressive neurodegenerative disease. In simple terms, it denies muscles nourishment, leading to atrophy. The average life expectancy for a patient diagnosed with ALS is two to five years. The women I'm speaking with today, all of whom were diagnosed with ALS before their 35th birthday, are working to bring awareness to and legislative support for people with ALS through their group, Her ALS Story. They want people to know that contrary to popular conception, ALS is not just a disease of older men. Welcome, Kate, Leah, and Gwen. Hi, guys. Hi, Mary. Mary. Thank you all so much for being here. And uh, just as a reminder to listeners, February is Rare Disease Month. And February 28th, I believe, is Rare Disease Day. So can you each introduce yourselves to get us started? Kate, you want to go first? Sure. My name is Kate Neese. I'm currently 36 years old. I was diagnosed just before my 33rd birthday. Um, So I am approaching four years with this disease. And I worked as a nurse practitioner um, for 10 years and just recently retired and hope to spend my time raising awareness and enjoying every day that I have remaining. That's wonderful. I mean, I think we've all learned the importance of nurses in the last couple of years, for sure. Yes, the (laughs) pandemic has certainly uh, brought greater appreciation for our field. Yeah, definitely. Uh, (laughs) Leah, how about you? (laughs) Hi, yeah, so I am Leah Stamahagen. I'm currently 29, and I believe my ALS symptoms began about four years ago, but it was only three years ago that um, I learned what ALS was and that I likely had it. At that time, I was living in Paris and working as a management consultant. Um, today, a lot has changed. I am re- or about a year ago, I got married. I'm spending a lot more time in New York now, mm-hmm. closer to family and also treatment options. And instead of working, well, my working has switched. And I spend a lot of my energy on ALS advocacy in about... Mm-hmm. A year ago, so in April of 2021, I began um, her ALS story with these uh, wonderful women. Excellent. I've never been to Paris. Is it as amazing as it looks in pictures? Um, I love it. Yeah, it is great. <laughs> but do you know there is a weird, um, I forget exactly what they call it. There's some type of syndrome because there's some people, especially I think Asian tourists, who mm-hmm. arrive and they're so surprised that it's kind of dirty and not as <laughs> not quite as beautiful as people think. Um, and so they go into a shock. So it's great, but uh, not picture perfect all the time. Yeah, fair enough. Gwen, how about you? That's so funny, Leah, <laughs> because when I went to Paris, the one and only time, 
Parisians we met were asking me, do you like it here? What do you think about our city? It's And they were complaining, it's dirty, right? I'm like, I was living in San Francisco at the time, which um, in certain areas can be pretty dirty. So yeah, pitfalls of big city life um exactly. hi i'm gwen peterson like kate i am 36 years old proud member of her als story i was diagnosed with als in may of 2018 and then turned 32 uh just a month later uh, June 2018. So uh, that is a birthday. I wish I could forget, but uh, yeah, that one's ingrained in the memory. Um, <clears throat> like so many of us, um, it took me forever for the official diagnosis to come in which has unfortunately such a domino effect around us getting on FDA approved uh, the drugs for ALS. There's only two and getting into trials and um, we can chat more about our stories in just a bit, but yeah, thank you. That actually is a good segue to some questions I was going to get into later, but do you guys think that your age or gender had some effect on how quickly you were able to get diagnosed? Sure. So I think in some ways I got lucky. As soon as I was in front of um, neurologists, they very quickly assumed that I did have ALS. But uh, for about a good year before that, I was having leg cramps and maybe not quite as um, quite as strong as I should have been. And a neurolo- neurological issue was just not at all on the table. In some ways, I feel like that was lucky because with so few options for ALS patients, I got this year of, of ignorance, actually, where I wasn't worried about having a very serious illness. But by the same token, um, yeah, it was just... Uh, doctors didn't think that that could be an issue that I might have. And then later on, I was in front of um, one neurologist who said, oh, you're a young female. No way you have ALS, which uh, unfortunately just isn't the case. So where were you at the time in your life when you were diagnosed? Uh, Why don't we start with Kate again? Yeah, I was running half marathons and playing co-ed intramural soccer. I was living in Boston, working outside the city, and I had met the man of my dreams on a work trip in Las Vegas, and he came to visit. And I was having trouble zipping up my jacket. And I thought that was odd. Um, 
life was coming together for everything I'd ever dreamt of. And slowly, I was having more trouble running. I felt like I was in slow motion. Um, I was getting winded when I was walking and talking with people. And then at work, I was having trouble unscrewing things. So Mm. my first symptom really was right-handed weakness and um, also slurred speech. So I went from a fun party girl to oh, shoot, this is actually a sign of a bigger issue. Um, Mm -hmm. People questioning, are you okay to drive? Um, Which normally would have been like, haha, okay, I'll grab an Uber. And then one evening, I'm like, no, I only had a glass of wine. Huh. So... Being a nurse, my diagnosis pathway was a lot different than others. I ordered an MRI for myself. Um, I was thinking MS, not ALS. So to kind of get the news that, nope, you've got one that has no cure and a very short span to live, was a pretty harsh blow for a 32-year-old who <clears throat> was planning a wedding and moving along in her career and looking to buy a home. I now had to shift completely to a new direction. Mm-hmm. And how has your ALS progressed? I am a fairly slow progressor. Um, I'm four years in. I'm just starting to use a walking stick and a rolling walker. I'm still able to eat and drink on my own um, and take care of my bathing and toileting on my own. So it's slower and weaker but I feel pretty lucky to maintain the strength that I still have. Mm-hmm. Leah, how about you? Where were you in your life when you were diagnosed? Um, so I was, at the time I was um, 26. I was just finishing up a master's in Paris and uh, focused on business management. And so getting ready to start a career in management consulting. I was living with my boyfriend. Um, yeah, and things were really coming together. You know, growing up for years and as a student, you're stressed about finding the right job and being in the right spot, finding somebody that you maybe want to spend your life with. And so all th- those things were really just falling into place. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, yeah, like Kate said, this huge, scary thing comes and but it disrupts all of that. You realize that the, the fancy job, that doesn't matter anymore because your, your days are probably numbered. Um, so it was a big blow for a long time, or not for too long, but for a little while. I was able to continue on with my plans, 
stayed in Paris, but then about a year later, I um, decided that it made sense to start spending more time in the U.S. because there's, um, mm-hmm. the health systems are so different. And as far as clinical trials and research in general, the options are a lot better in the U.S. Um, so I've spent a lot of time in New York because I follow an expanded access program at Columbia University. Um, and it's also good to be a bit closer to family. Mm-hmm. So I kind of split my time between um, Paris and New York. Um, and yeah. And how has your ALS progressed and have you been involved in any clinical trials yet? Um, so my ALS progressed pretty quickly. I felt like it progressed more quickly when I realized something was wrong. Um, it began in my legs and my feet. And within a year, I needed to use a wheelchair. And then about pretty soon after that, I lost a lot of control for strength in my arms and my hands. Um, and I also, until about a year as well later, um, my diaphragm became weak. So I'd need to use a breathing machine at night. Um, after I started the EAP, I felt like the progression did slow down. And so today it's kind of just a continuing on, but uh, there was like a year when it all progressed pretty quickly. And then it's sort of plateaued since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never been part of a clinical trial. The one that I thought I'd be in took a very long time to set up. So instead it was an expanded access program, which I'm very lucky that that was a possibility um, because as many ALS patients know, clinical trials are very tricky. And finally, Gwen, how about you? I love this podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you. I can't believe, I knew we were all very similar, um, especially where we were in our lives, but truly the three of us were thriving in all of the same areas in our Mm -hmm. love lives, professionally, um, traveling, seeing the world, uh, exploring Um, That's exactly where I was, which is kind of ironic, Mary, that when early symptoms um, started manifesting, I was told by my primary care doctor, oh, wow, you've got a lot going on. You've got too much going on. And that's when I was misdiagnosed with anxiety. Mm. So I rode that misdiagnosis for a year and a half before the official diagnosis came in. On the, on the bright side, in that year and a half, I got married to my best friend, went on a beautiful honeymoon, 
um, was doing really well at work. So, so much good happened in that time. And then shortly after his diagnosis, I was admitted into a clinical trial phase three with a really promising therapy. And being in that trial gave me hope. Mm -hmm. And how has your ALS progressed, Gwen? Yeah, same as the other women. I am Mm -hmm. extremely fortunate to be a slow progressor. Um, You know, another common thread between all of us We have ALS, but ALS doesn't have us. (laughs) We recognize that. And because we're relatively slow progressors, we're relishing uh, in the opportunity to continue to travel Mm -hmm. and to raise our voices for advocacy and so much more. So that is, you know, such a central point of her ALS story. Well, that brings us right to our next question, almost like you're a professional podcaster who can segue between topics perfectly. Yeah, (laughs) How did her ALS story get together? How did it all start? Uh, Leah, let's start with you. So about a year ago, I had stopped working and found myself with a bit of extra time and thought I really want to get involved in ALS advocacy. Since the very beginning, it's hard because you look out and I didn't know of anybody with ALS that looked like me. You know, you see Lou Gehrig, you see maybe Steve Gleason. Um, Stephen Hawking. So these are all males, some of them young-ish, um, but still, still it's hard to not say, you know, there's nobody else that has this disease that's, that I see that has to deal with having a period or wanting to get pregnant maybe one day. And so I really kind of yearn to find other young women. And so with the help of Glory Andre and I am ALS, we started um, a campaign to gather stories of young women with ALS. And that worked out pretty well and transformed into her ALS story, which I founded in April of 2021. And Gwen and Kate, when did you guys come in and join Leah? Oh, geez. I would say shortly after that, maybe June. I received an email asking, would you be interested in participating? And that invite has come in many different ways, shapes, forms, um, young faces of ALS. I am ALS mentorship. Um, Like Leah said, there are all these places that maybe capture a small part of our experience, but I too was missing that sisterhood in a shitty ass disease. So Mm -hmm. 
And how about you, Gwen? Yeah, so uh, I met Leah last year. She is an absolute sweetheart. She had a vision that I loved. And I asked Leah, you know, are you sh- are you sure you want me in this group? I'm turning 36. Have I aged out? And uh, Leah, Leah, said, of, Leah said, of course not. It's a group <laughs> of women diagnosed before our 35th birthday. So you fit squarely. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, and also to Leah and Kate's point, other members of the group feel really comfortable in this space. And I was speaking with one last night who said, I didn't know that there was anyone like me out there meaning a young woman diagnosed and, you know, going through all the same things we're going through. So it's a really safe and hopeful space to have relatable conversations, a space I've found like no other. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. Um, I was wondering how your treatments have gone, not just physical and the medications, but what kind of emotional support have you guys gotten? Oddly enough, I've been with my therapist um, four and a half years. So I engaged with her before my now husband was moving in just some general anxieties and we were just about to part ways when I received the official diagnosis and she was completely out of her depths of knowing how to treat ALS as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we have found in the past four years is it's a lot of the same anxiety or grief over the loss of the future you thought you had. Um, mm-hmm. She has been the best processing support. Um, my friendships have been the best. I need help tying my shoes or I can't carry my bags into the house or you know, random things that all of a sudden change. Um, mm-hmm. So the day-to-day support is friends. My husband's been huge. Um, but I haven't really, other than her ALS story, I haven't found a group that connects with me and can really understand and empathize where I'm at in any given moment. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. How about you, Gwen? Yeah, so it was my psychiatrist who 
urged me to have a second opinion after that uh, anxiety misdiagnosis. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who said, you don't lose your balance and fall from anxiety. So I went to a university level um, medical center of excellence. And that's when I started getting answers. Unfortunately, and she was amazing. Um, Unfortunately, she left the practice. I found a grief counselor. um, And uh, in living in San Francisco, and to see someone in the city was going to cost me two hundred and fifty dollars an hour that was not feasible so that was a few years ago I haven't seen anyone since Mm -hmm. and I I can I just say and I don't know if I'll leave this in or not but I when you say you were misdiagnosed with anxiety that just makes me so viscerally angry on your behalf because it sounds so much like the old timey, oh, she's just hysterical. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. It's horrible. You're, but yep. a lot of people and, have stories um, similar to that. Exactly. Leah, can you say that again, Leah? No, I was just saying there's so many women who have very similar stories to Gwen. It's so horrible to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not uncommon. At the same time, um, like Kate said, it's really important to find people that do fully understand what you're going through. So that's what's super cool with her ALS story, because unless you have to deal with ALS every day, you can never really understand how um, how difficult certain aspects can be. Yeah. Do you ever meet as part of her ALS story together? We have like Zoom meetings, but in person, it kind of depends on people all over the country, even a few people in different countries. Um, so, so we've never had like a huge get together, mm-hmm. but a few of us have met in person, yeah. We did attend the fundraiser for Project ALS in New York City, and there were what, four of us that yeah. were able to attend and I know my husband in particular found that super beneficial to meet the other husbands and connect with the males who are supporting the badass women. Um, (laughs) So I think that like brief interaction in person had a huge impact on us. Yeah, just a quick plug for... Project ALS and the incredible work they're doing around drug discovery and supporting women in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, it was it was started by a woman, I believe, a, yeah, a Broadway producer, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Yes. They're awesome. Yeah, we love them. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of mentioned this earlier, but just to circle back to it, have there been any times where you have felt that you have 
um, been uh, overlooked or misdiagnosed or you know dismissed because of your age or gender, not just from ALS, but from from any malady that you might have had. Just a few things I've heard that I wish I could unhear <laughs> are, oh, you poor thing, or you, oh, or you poor girl, mm-hmm. or the best one is, but you're too young to have ALS. And that's exactly why. Lee has started, you know, her ALS story. We're trying to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. If the three of us can get ALS, anyone can. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, it's not it's not an old white guy's disease. Mm-hmm. Anyone can get it. I think this is kind of a problem in um historically, definitely in science in general, is that we kind of have set this default as um, white men are kind of the, the base standard for for human bodies and everything else is kind of just like a variation on that. But that's not a good way to look at it, obviously, because things get overlooked. That pregnancy question, Leah, came up at Mass General and they looked at me like I had 10 heads. <laughs> and I'm like, I, right? I cannot be the first person asking this question. Can I get pregnant? What would it do to my body? And all of them looked at me and shrugged. Going, <laughs> what I think is crazy. <laughs> Because you see a lot of young couples where maybe it's the male that has ALS. And pretty soon yeah. after diagnosis, there's a baby. And for yeah. them, there's no, nobody's right. looking at them like crazy. But for some of us, yeah, they wouldn't approve. Right. And on that, on that note, while I was in a trial, I almost wish they... Um, gave me regular pregnancy tests because they kept reinforcing, you know, you can't get pregnant. Are you guys using contraception? And, you know, you, you can't be pregnant. And it was such, it's, it's still raw. I don't know when it's not going to be raw, but at the time, it was just so it was I to, too much. Yeah. I have to pee in a cup every every time I go to the hospital. Yeah, so, yeah. I guess that way you don't have to talk about it. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Mine's blood work, but Gwen, <laughs> at least they still thought you were having sex. <laughs> I have a coordinator who was like, "Are you and your husband?" still sexually active i'm like we're in their 30s yes (laughs) my goodness i'm not like old and shriveled up oh yeah so moral of the story is please don't put als in a box (laughs) it's not going to get us anywhere 
So speaking of the future, what kinds of plans have you all made for the immediate future? Leah, you want to start? Um, immediate future, continuing to do cool, badass things with these women. <laughs> and on top of that, lots of traveling. Um, my husband and I have like maybe seven weddings to attend this summer, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So that, but, but what is what is very difficult, what we've all already mentioned, is it's very much focused on today is the short-term future. It's hard to think about long-term mm-hmm. things. It can be sad. It can be difficult. Um, so, so lots of fun things in the coming months, but we'll have to see you later for, oh, for so many weddings. That. So many weddings. Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> How about you, Gwen? Yeah, so... Uh, ALS just uprooted my husband and I from city living to a suburban life, um, which is, which is just fine. I get to be within 20 minutes from my nieces and nephew, and they are, they're all under eight years old they are all so funny and like keep me laughing and like and keep me cool too (laughs) um so i i love being around family and i'm so much closer uh location wise now Mm -hmm. and how about you kate um, I appreciate Leo's comment, you know, you're handed a diagnosis where they tell you, you have two to five years to live compared to interviewing for my first job, where they ask you, where do you see yourself in five or <laughs> yeah. 10 years? Yes. And my crass and sarcastic, uh, alive, um, So before retirement, I had plenty of money and no time. So now I'm trying to figure out having all the time, but not as much money Mm -hmm. and less independence. Um, But we, my husband and I are going to Napa Valley for his birthday in February. Awesome. And then, yeah. Um, I had some cool my... recommendations for you. Oh, you great. <laughs> yes, you, yes. You ladies are inspiring me to get something on the books. Yeah, friends. <laughs> do it. Mary, you should too. <laughs> oh, we, but I, we have something very special on the books coming up. We're getting a new puppy soon. Oh, so my God. I'm nice. very excited about that. <laughs> Oh, we also we also got a new puppy after I got <laughs> ALS. Kate has a dog. Oh, yeah, has a cat. Yeah, pets, are, pets the are the best. Furry <laughs> friends are so good. Yeah, my puppy is turning two years old in oh. February. What kind of what kind of dog is it? He is a Bernice Mountain dog. Oh my god, they're so cute. So, 
a big fluffy 125 pound oh my gosh. thinks he is a lap dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, he is awesome and kind of hinders my travels. But yep. So, what besides fluffy dogs <laughs> brings mm-hmm. you comfort? Uh, food. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm still able to eat on my own, feed myself. Uh, I've put on weight since these diagnoses, so have not slowed down Excellent. in the food department. Yes. So uh, my husband's a great cook. Haven't been out a ton in times of COVID, but a good a good meal makes mm-hmm. me happy. Gwen, you are absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would also second that. So what are you each most proud of? Um, so first off, I would definitely say finding these other great women in her ALS story. Mm-hmm. Because it's so important to do things and find things to connect people. I think a few years ago, I would have said, I'm becoming fluent in French and creating a life for myself there, which was great. It still is great. But that's so personal. And I think something that um, I learned very quickly after having the diagnosis like ALS, and in general, is that what's, what's important is doing things for and with others. Um, so, so yeah, creating this great group of people. Yeah, that's a really cool thing that you've done, Leah. How about you, Gwen? Being a small part of something that's way bigger than me, mm-hmm. whether it's advocacy or contributing to research or trying to be a good person, wife, auntie, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, just uh, doing my best, giving my all, even if it's a, you know, a small contribution to something larger. Yes, definitely. And how about you, Kate? Oh, man. Um, I think I'm most proud of feeling like I've been able to overcome the sense of pity that people Mm. try and put on you when you write that face (laughs) that, oh, poor you, Um, to be able to take that and kind of get people to turn it around when I interact with them is probably one of the greatest accomplishments I've had in four years. Um, Joining different groups, joining the fight, supporting other people. I've often been asked to meet with people when they are newly diagnosed. And I think that speaks to the positivity and the attitude that I'm surrounded by at her ALS story that each of us 
comes in ready to fight, not roll over and accept um, a really short, shitty life, Mm -hmm. but to really strive to make a difference and enjoy and appreciate every moment moment we are given. That was a rock star answer. Thanks, guys. All right. So let's end with the classic question. What do each of you want to tell other women who are facing a similar diagnosis? I can go. So I'll go first. Go, go. Okay. Go ahead, Kate. <laughs> nope, nope. Go on. Get it. <laughs> okay. Um. So what I have to say is a little bit silly maybe, but related to what Gwen just said, actually for me, I lost a ton of weight and I didn't realize, I think as a young woman, society has always told us that, oh, you're losing weight. That's kind of good. So even though I had doctors in front of me saying, you know, don't lose weight, add sour cream to everything you eat, eat cake if you need to. It's so contradictory to what you've always been told mm-hmm. that it was hard for me to think that, oh, the fact that my legs are skinnier, that's a bad thing. And so to, from early on with ALS, to really try to keep your weight up and to stay as positive as you can and find a strong support network for other people that are going through the similar thing. I think that's so important. And that's something that really can help your disease to progress more slowly and then improve your quality of life. Yes. Thank you, Leah. How about you, Gwen? Yeah, so as women, I think we know our bodies pretty damn well. So listen (laughs) to your body. And whether it's in ALS or another disease or even in life itself, sometimes you have to know the right questions to ask in order to get answers. So with that, you know, keep asking questions, keep pushing, um, you know, research, like find people in your network who can help you. Um, Just main thing, you know your body listens to it. That's great advice for literally everybody, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Kate? I want to reiterate both of your comments are so important. Um, The image of femininity and being (laughs) a skinny, beautiful woman. And for me, that also incorporated uh, being a strong woman was what I thought would make me a valuable human. Um, So confronting all of the body image has been extremely challenging as a woman. But um, what I would want people to know, I would not wish this diagnosis on anyone, but when faced with anything that is this devastating, surround yourself with 
the strongest people you can find. And the women of her ALS story absolutely um, represent that for me. And I couldn't imagine trying to get through this fight without them. Yeah. And I know that you all know this better than most people, but just to reiterate for the p- listeners at home, there's all different kinds of strengths. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and having to separate that out into, okay, I may not have physical strength, I can have emotional and mental and just kind of still be the strong person I want to. Just looks a little different. Oh, yeah, you're probably so much stronger Mm -hmm. today than you were when you were, oh, my gosh, 18, and I don't know, lifting heavy rocks or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think we all are. (laughs) I hope so anyway, dang. Yeah. Well, thank you, all three of you, for joining me. And for the listeners, check out Project ALS, but you can also find out more about these women and others at heralsstory.org. That's H-E-R-A-L-S-S-T-O-R-Y dot org. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Kate, Leah, thank and Gwen. Thank you, Mary. Thank you.